we just come before you and we thank you so much for allowing us to gather freely, that we live in a country where still we're able to gather and worship you without fear of trouble. Lord, we thank you for your drawing us to yourself and calling us and making a provision for us, a final sacrifice. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father, that it's you that draws us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just open ourselves. Our desire is to continue to have our minds renewed, to grow in you, to walk in the fullness of what you've accomplished already for us. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. I've been reading a book. Actually, it's a little trilogy. And uh, and in it, the author uh, uses the term the great romance. And that's describing the relationship of the Lord with his people. And they, and they, and they really um, wrap their lives around that concept. So much so that every night they gather down by the lake and they just worship. And they just worship. You know, I know we're a worshiping church in terms of just music and, and time with him. But I think he would like even more. And I don't mean necessarily from here, but just a view of your voice to him. I think sometimes we get, uh, we think, oh, well, I can't sing like Melanie. And that may be true. But the Lord wants your voice. He created you. He wants to hear your voice as special. It's a unique sound to him that he can't hear from Melanie. He only can hear it from you. So I just encourage you through your days, just even just to take that time, just to even to speak it, I'm not even saying singing, but just worship, just saying, Lord, thank you that you've drawn me to yourself. Hallelujah. Well, I have the opportunity today, and you have the challenge <laughs> of having me speak. As Todd is um, taking the Sunday, we told him, you need a break, and he and Tina are in the, in the mountains for the weekend and just having some good time together. We spoke this morning, and he just indicated that it had been one of the best times they'd been away in a long time, and that they really were enjoying and resting and feeling refreshed. So we thank the Lord for that. I'm excited to be able to speak with you, and I actually made notes because there's so much that I want to say. I'm going to try to kind of keep myself on a track, and that's hard to do. Um, most of you know I just came back from three months in Africa, and so I'm, I'm more than full and overflowing with, uh, with fun stories and just things that the, that the Lord has done. Um, I continue to get really exciting, amazing reports, um, even last night. <laughs> One of the interesting things is Africa in the area that I'm at is probably it's, it's about seven hours difference. So they, in fact, when I finished speaking with the one brother last night, uh, he said, so brother, be assured that we'll greet the Lord first in the morning for you. So they've already had their service and gone, and 
and done. And that was one of the fun things we joked about when we were there, that, that they, they greet the Lord first in the day. Um, but one of the opportunities is I'll get a call every now and then at 4 in the morning or, you know, something, and, and they're not thinking about that there's a time difference. You know, I'm like, okay, what's the emergency? Hello, brother, how are you? I'm like, well, I was asleep with my wife, but uh, how are you? But I did get a report uh, that just one of the things that we, we, we would counsel with lots of different people from the, that had started coming to the church. And so last night, uh, Osborne told me that one of the ladies we had counseled with, um, I just asked her, I said, so when did you become a believer? And she said, oh, when I was baptized. I said, great. When was that? She said, I think it was like I was two months old or something like that. I said, awesome. Okay. We have an opportunity here. So um, we spoke a little bit about what that might look like, uh, and, uh, and so it's been several weeks since I've been there, but Bourne told me last night that she had gotten with him and said that she wanted to go ahead and, and, uh, and make a decision to follow Jesus and to, to ask him to be her Savior and to step into being a daughter and a son of God. So that was exciting. Um, I want to mention now, while everybody's here and I'm thinking about it, you all, the river as a church, and then also many of you individually have um, given um, to support uh, KLN there. And as that, I really stress to people, you're as much a part of what happens in Africa as I am. I just happen to be the mouthpiece that goes. But what, what goes with me is really the relationships that I have with you and and, and your participation is what allows that to happen. And they recognize that too. Whenever I speak there, I greet them on behalf of the river and, and of other people who have um, around the U.S. that are supporting that. So I wanted to be sure to have time where if you had a desire to hear some of the stories um, and see some of the pictures and videos, that that would be available. Um, so next Saturday... And Sunday uh, nights, I will be available here at 6.30. And um, if people come, great. If they don't, I'll get my guitar out and have a great time. So it's no pressure. I just want to make it available, and I thought I'd make two time slots. So if whoever comes will just have fun. You can ask questions. We'll talk about elephants waking you up at night and fun stuff. So uh, praise the Lord. You know, I had an eye appointment a couple days ago. Well, you didn't know that. Now you do. And, uh, and the doctor, he's a real interesting guy. I've been going to him for 15 years, I guess, about a while anyway. But he said to me that legally blind is a very misunderstood term. That actually the definition of being legally blind is if your corrected vision is less than 2,200. So a lot of people take their glasses off, like me, and I could say I'm legally blind. But I'm not because I can, with my, with my glasses, I can see actually better than 2020. But the other part of that definition is um, a field view of less than 20 degrees. So what that means is you have a restricted view and you can only see, you have no peripheral. So it's kind of, it's also called tubular, tubular vision. 
which back in the days when I surfed was awesome. <laughs> like that's what you lived for was tubular vision, to be in a tube of a wave and going. But in this case, it's talking about a restriction. So I want you all to help me out. I want you to take your hand, either one, and I want you to take your, your finger and put it in your hand like this. Then I want you to pull it out, and I want you to put it to your eye and look at me. That's tubular vision. And I have a feeling that a lot of us have a restricted vision of what the full gospel is. And so I want to ask you to, to allow me to, to kind of tell a story and see if it resonates with you. Um, I think that uh, the gospel through your hand probably sounds a lot like there's a big God out somewhere, and he created a world. And in that world, he created Adam and Eve. And then Adam and Eve screwed up, and they, in the garden, they ate the mango. Well, I'm from Hawaii, I'm sorry. They ate the apple. We know it was a mango from Hawaii, but anyway. But they ate of the apple, and they fell from relationship with God, whom they had been walking in the garden with this awesome God. And because of their, because Satan tempted them and they decided they wanted to be like God, they fell. And from that time, all of us participate in that decision. But then John 3.16 says, For God, this big God, so loved this world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in his son wouldn't, perish, but would have everlasting life. How are we doing so far? Okay. So after we explain that to people, many times we'll say, so slip your hand up and slip down to the front and pray this prayer and sign this card. You're in. Anybody, I mean, anybody heard that? Most would end, a lot of folks end there. Now, for this group, I know it's a little bit bigger, so you could take your thumb and put it in your hand. All right? And so now we, t we start talking about things like baptism in water, baptism in the Spirit, that it's actually okay if you get healed. It's okay if a miracle happens that's, that's allowed. Um... But the point is that, for the most part, most of the gospel that people have heard is an all-about-them, right? What we described was, you won't go to hell. And so for you to not go to hell, which is a terrible place, you want to accept Jesus as your Savior. Well, that's like saying if you put your hand on the oven, you're going to get burned. You don't want to do that, right? And you go, yeah, that's, that's pretty easy to figure out. I'll, that's good, I'll do that. And most of us then carry on our lives as humans on an earth that this God somewhere had pity on, and so he bailed them out of hell. That's not the, God, the full gospel. Is that true? Yes. Am I excited about that? Absolutely. That is a good word. But I'm afraid that for many of us, 
we have that that's our view of this relationship and this walk so what i'd like to do is uh is kind of paint a paint a little different picture and and just work with me here but uh, one of the things that i know is true is one of the biggest enemies of best is good right anybody ever learn good better best never let it rest the good is the better and the better is the best there are lots and lots of Christians those that have asked Jesus to be their savior who are in that position and have not and and that's all they understand and I believe that if they have made that profession that they will be with Jesus and they won't go to hell But I think that there is an opportunity for them to participate in a whole different, from a whole different grid and a whole different understanding of our life on the earth. And it gives them an opportunity to participate in something that God's doing that really the salvation was, was an invitation and an entry to. Okay? So let's back up. And, uh, and and paint a picture. So God has no beginning or end, right? No start or finish. I am, he said. And then I think for most of us the concept of trinity or a triune God is 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 understood. It probably would be a good thing for us to to teach on that at some point. But uh, a scripture in Matthew 28:19 says and Jesus came to them and said All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. It wasn't just this big God mass that made the world. And and it's exciting that as you as you read scriptures and for me it's been a learning thing of looking at the different roles within God of Jesus the Holy Spirit and the Father and that has significance in what we're going to speak about today John 1 1 to 5 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was in the beginning with God All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I love reading that. I don't know why, just the way that that is written, uh, that first part. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Hebrews 1, 1-4... It says that long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, 
he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become much, uh, as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Hallelujah. So again, we see Jesus being described as the creator. In Colo- and I'm going a little bit quickly in terms of scriptures. If you, if you want to write them down for later or if you come to me, I'll be happy to give these to you. I just want to, uh, I know you all don't want to be here till after two, so I'm trying to push through this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, on, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. So really the point I want to make here is that many people just have this kind of concept. You know, in my mind's eye, I see the world spinning in, you know, in a black area. And then there's like God. I'm not sure exactly where he's at, but there's like God. But really, this narrows it to Jesus, right? And it, and it very clearly says that Jesus is the one that created the heavens and the earth. So the Son created all things, but man chose darkness. And then we see an amazing story unfold throughout the Old Testament. The pursuit of the lover with a desire for the people he created. So Jesus created man, walked with him in the garden, and then after man was tempted, was separated from God. But God continued to pursue him. But what's interesting is people from that beginning of time have continued to push away from relationship. You can see that in Moses in the mountain. You all have heard me speak about that before. But really the people said, Hey Moses, you go to the mountain, you talk with God, you come back, let us know what we need to do, and we'll do whatever that needs to be. We'll kind of try. And then, but you go to the mountain. We don't want to, that's a little too close for us. Then you also see in 1 Samuel 8, 4 through 17, And all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. So I could read further. It's a, it's a, it, it, the next part of it is he goes to him and says, Look, man, you have no idea. If you want a king, this is what the king will, will require of you from a physical standpoint. Children, money, land. It's going to be a whole different world. Yes, we want a king. 
But the point here is that they rejected God being their king, who wanted to be their king, and instead wanted a man. Again, they, they, there's just been this thing of distancing. So now let me tease you a little bit. Go to Luke 3.38. And it's an interesting little piece of Scripture. It's basically the genealogy, but this one doesn't go back to David, it goes back to the beginning, which is an awesome place to start. And if you look at verse 38, it says, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Adam, the son of God. So what I think that I see here is that in the beginning, Jesus created man. First, he created the earth. It began with the Son of God, Jesus creating the earth in all its splendor, and then creating another Son of God. Not the firstborn, but the first made that was created. Because what did he breathe into him? And what was that? The Holy Spirit. So Adam was breathed into him the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And that was the life that lived inside him. So from the very beginning, God's desire through Jesus was to have that he was the firstborn of many brethren, right? We see that in the New Testament, and we assume that's after he died. But I believe that was the plan in the beginning, was he created a son, and the idea then was for them to have sons and daughters, and they carried light, and they were to spread light over the whole earth. But because of the fall, then he was no longer a son of God, right? His father is the devil, our fathers, as we're born. And the scripture talks very clearly about that. I've got a lot of scripture, but... um, Again, I encourage you, if you have questions about something I'm saying, um, and you probably will, uh, ask me about it. Let's talk about it. Because what I want is for us to grow in our understanding of the Lord. And if this helps to make this bigger, and I'm not saying you all only see this, okay? I was giving an example. That for even me, I know that there is some restriction of my understanding of God. And my desire is that that will continue to expand and grow. But for me, this began an interesting thought, realizing that from the very beginning, there was that through Jesus, the, the, the Son of God, He created a man, and because He breathed His life into Him, then He became a Son of God. Adam was the firstborn of many brethren and was to multiply and fill the earth with the breath of life that his creator had breathed in his nostrils, giving him the same life. They walked in relationship in the garden, but then, so this is the this is the, the so I told you story one, now we're into, okay, what's, a, what's, a, what's maybe a broader way to look at this whole thing? So instead of this big nebulous God mass that kind of created this earth, we see Jesus 
rolling up his sleeves as an artist and taking a canvas and creating the earth and all the beautiful things in it and the colors and the flowers and the fish. Mosquito. Did God create mosquitoes? I don't know. I'm, I'm still working on that one. I can't believe that one. But he, uh, he creates all these things. And what did he do after every day, Stephen? This is good. An artist was pleased with his work. It was alive. It was awesome. He was excited about it. That's the beginning of time. Jesus, the Creator, created everything and was excited. So after He created, then He, then he created man. And they walked in relationship in the garden. But then they were tempted in three ways. And there's a significance here, and this could be a whole Sunday or a teaching in itself. But they were, the, the three ways they were tempted was the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And those um, we could go through, but if you look at each of the ways that, that they were tempted, that, that Satan spoke to them, it touched those three areas. And in Romans... Uh, Romans 5:14 it says, "Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was the type of the one who was to come." So Adam is described as the type of the one that was to come, which was when then Jesus did come in the form of flesh. A little different story. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 and 45. For as by a man came death, so by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then it is coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. And in verse 45 it says, Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust, the second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And is the man of and as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Then, like Adam, Christ was tempted. So, what I want to do now is bounce back into the garden. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of her flesh, that it was a delight to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and that the tree was desired to make one wise, the pride of life. They wanted to be like God. In Luke 4... 1 to 13. So now we're skipping forward from the creation where Jesus the Creator created the world. 
Then he made man out of the dust. And in the Hebrew, it actually has red after that. They're thinking that the dirt was red. So I don't know that he, Adam may not have looked exactly like us. But anyway, then um, he breathed the life in him. And now there's a son of God on the earth. And the idea was to populate the earth and to carry that life around the earth and to care for this beautiful thing that Jesus had created. But then man, continu- he fell through these temptations, and then that brought a separation, and the life left. He died, right? Physically, he didn't die, but the spirit left. And since then, the father of everyone born is Satan. Until they, make a deci- they have that opportunity to decide that Father God would be their father. But then we see man pushing away, pushing away, wanting a king, wanting, you know, Moses, you go to the mountain, pushing away, pushing away. And we get to the New Testament, and Jesus then comes. And Jesus, in Luke 4, 1 to 13, it says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they ended, he was hungry. I would imagine he was pretty darn hungry. The devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread, lust of the flesh. And Jesus answered him, It's written, Man shall not live by bread alone. The devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, lust of eyes. I'll give you authority and their glory, for it's been delivered to me. Isn't that sad? We delivered that to Satan back in the garden. But anyway, and if, you'll, if you'll then worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it's written, you'll worship the Lord your God, and him only will you serve. Then he took him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, right of life. And he said... Uh, Jesus answered and said, you'll not put the Lord your God to the test. So, again, work with me here from a storyline. Jesus creates a son of God in the garden. They walk in relationship. Satan comes and tempts. Man takes the bait and falls. So what happens? Well, you fast forward. Jesus comes as a son of man. And he comes to the earth in flesh. He's tempted the same way that Adam had been tempted. But in this situation, what? He overcomes. Right? So, in doing that, he created the opportunity to again create sons. Back to the original purpose, right? So we do not, in Hebrews 4.15, it says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. First John two fifteen. First uh, John two fifteen to seventeen. Do not love the world or things in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world's passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So not only was he crucified and risen from the dead so we could go through his blood, so through his blood we would go to heaven, but his purpose was to set in place a way by which once again there would be sons of God on the earth to fulfill his purposes. Salvation was just a door to becoming a child of God with the understanding that we would mature into sons. Hallelujah! I got excited when I saw that. When I saw that with Luke, I just couldn't believe it. In where it talks about Adam being the son of God. And then, realize, and then it just kind of clicked. I mean, he was, it was, he was created and the life, God breathed his life. And what happens to us when we accept Jesus? We become one spirit. This is a clay body, just like Adam. It's just that he didn't have a mother to come from. He had to be put together from the mud. But, but for us, we, we, we're formed in our mother's womb, but it's the breath of God that's the life. Well, the physical body is born, but then we have the opportunity for the breath of life to come in to make us a son of God. Amen? So, was the point of Adam coming to the earth just so he wouldn't go to hell? I mean, wasn't there something that he was to accomplish? Wasn't there, wasn't there a design? The whole the challenge to me is this, this ends up being all about we messed up and how do we kind of, and, and God made a way for us to undo that, but we don't look what was the purpose of that. If it was just to go to heaven and not hell, you know, Jesus in his prayer to the Father said, I don't ask you to take them right now, right? Why? Well, because they say in the south, we had business left. We still had business left around this place. But for many people, and even myself, at some shade, you know, this is one of those, it's not just an on or off. But there are degrees of understanding. I was talking with uh, my buddy Bob. Where's Bob? Anyway, I was talking to Bob earlier. I just like to call him Bob. But he, uh, we were talking because another thing the eye doctor talked, me, talked to me about is the aging of the eyeball. Just like the aging of your body, your eyeballs age. And before they didn't have a lot of issues with cataracts because people weren't around long enough to have problems, that problem with their eyeball. The eyeball was gone already. So this, the doctor said, John, it's a fact, just like every man will have a gray hair when he's 56, I think he said, or no, 50, 50 something, 56 or something. He said, another fact is every eye will develop a cataract at some time. 
And he said, if, you're, if I have a patient coming that's, I think he said 80 or something like that. He said, I know that they have either had cataract surgery or I will see a cataract in their eye. Now, cataracts, though, vary. And a very sad thing is in Africa, there are a lot of people with cataracts that are literally blind and, can, and function as if they had no eyes. And it takes, I think it's like 15 minutes for them. Bob was telling me his doctor described it as it's like a wrapped sandwich. They just open it up, slide the cataract out, put the lens in, put it back together. 15 minutes. It's like now it's like a Wendy's drive through kind of deal. But it's a difference of being blind, literally, for people in Africa, well, other third world countries, of literally being blind versus seeing. And the only thing is this film. I think it's true that for us there's this process of things dialing in more and more clear. Bob said his challenge was, and I didn't understand this, but he said what the cataract does for him is he can't read the fine print on a bottle. Not because he can't see it, but because it's not focused. It's, it's a, he can't get it to, to come to real clean lines. So, again, I really I want to encourage us, and my challenge to you today is going to be to really um, spend some time this week especially this afternoon while it's still fresh on your mind, and just say, Holy Spirit, show me where I'm looking through a cataract, you know, where I don't even realize it, but that I can dial in more clearly. What is your purpose? You know, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died on the cross, that your blood forgave me of all, that you forgave me of my sins, your blood cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Now, You've made me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's awesome. And I'm going to be with you forever and ever, no end. That's awesome. But then press past that. So what today? What does it look like if you really believe? Now, here's what gets crazy. Pretend Jesus Christ is standing right here. I want you to picture him. All the corny pictures you've looked at that probably are nothing like he looks like. Go ahead and just pretend he's here. And then look at me. And I wish I could put you, I wish I had a thing where I could put the face of Jesus in your face and just insert everybody's face. The reality is the work that he did was so that you too would be a son of God. That's the plan. Not just this miserable, worthless human being that screwed up, but God had mercy on his soul and decided that he needed a lot of people to party in heaven. So he died on the cross, sent Jesus to die on the cross, so there'd be a lot of people going to heaven so they could have big worship time together. I mean, that's, that's not what this lays out. His desire was to have sons on the earth. And we know the scripture that says the earth is groaning for the revealing of the sons. That's you. Now, one thing I've also realized as I've gotten more mature is uh, 
actually in using that word is interesting in what I'm about to tell you. At some point in my life, I realized that just because people had gray hair didn't mean they were smart. And that was a big, I mean, you know, when you're a little kid, you assume that, like, hey, dude, there, I mean, that just comes with age. I mean, you mature, you're smart, you got it together, you got it going on. You start getting older, and you start talking to some folks, and you go, whoa. Like, they stopped when they were in diapers. <laughs> and they're just old now. That's true of a lot of Christians. And just because you've been a Christian, and you may say, well, I got saved, you know, 50 years ago. Okay? But spiritually, where, what do you, how do you see yourself impacting the earth as a son of God? And that's a whole, not one son, that's like a lot of Sundays. Like, what does that look like to be a son of God? Because for me, that becomes a question. Okay, I'm with you. I believe that Jesus, his purpose in dying, coming to the earth, living, dying, and, res and the Father resurrecting him was not just so that I would go to heaven, but that while I'm on the earth, that there was business to do as a son of God. I get it. But what do I do? And that does become a whole other session. Now, one thing I want to quickly say is, one of the exciting opportunities that I have is, for those of you that have participated in KLN, and for those of you that hadn't, but would like to, we are ministering to an unreached people group. And what that means in this case is, it's a group of people called the Samburu. They live uh, in an area called Samburu. Many of you have heard of the Maasai. The Maasai are in most of the movies, and they're what people, if people are doing things from Africa, they like to use the Maasai tribe because they have the, the ladies have the big colored beads, and they jump like this, and the beads jump like that, and the men jump really high. They have competitions, and that's kind of a big thing they do is they're, they're real tall, thin guys, and they just... They soon can get the highest, you know. So that's the Maasai. Well, when the British came into Africa, the Samburu were cousins. They, they were both pastoralists, which means they're herdsmen, shepherds. And the Maasai stayed in the Nairobi area, and the Samburu went up north. And now there's an area called Samburu. Well, there's a city there called Maralal, and, or a village. It looks like an old Mexican western town to me, or out of a, mo a cowboy movie. Um, and when it rains real hard, the streets are solid water, and you walk on the little boardwalks on the side, kind of like in the old movies. Um, but what's happened is they have, in, uh, have come together and started this little village called Maralal, but they have relatives that still live in what they call the desert. Technically, it's actually semi-arid, but it, they call it the, de the desert, and they will not go there. In fact, the pastor that I go with, when I met him two year, a year and a half ago, said, John, nobody will go with me to the desert, which for me was an invitation. So, uh, so we went, and people could not believe that we went to the desert. Well, the cool thing, but the very humbling and honoring thing is that these people don't have a grid. They're, praise God. They don't have a religious grid of what it means to be a son of God. 
All they know is they were pagan. And they don't have, there's no churches in the area, no denominations whatsoever of Christian or Muslim or anything. And so it's this fresh opportunity. So then we have an opportunity. We were given favor and given five acres and a conservatory and a conservancy there to build a leadership training center to train men to go into the desert where people were becoming believers, but that's all. They have no grid. Well, they need a grid. They've got four wives, for crying out loud. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Hi, this is my wife. Oh, good. And this is my wife. Okay, great. This is my wife. Oh, boy, this is getting in. This is my four wives. I'm sure there's a need for marital counselors there. But uh, so we have this open opportunity. So what do you teach somebody like that? Think about that at lunch. Think if, if I was speaking to somebody never had any concept of what Christianity looked like, had never seen a church building, doesn't understand what's making the lines across the sky, doesn't understand, I mean, they have no concept of, they have no power, very little water, nothing green to eat, you just eat meat, and they drink milk mixed with blood from their animals for protein. That's what they've done forever and ever and ever. They're shepherds. It's amazing. So I said all of that to say that's part of what has really driven me back to the Scripture to say, man, what, what is the, what, if I'm not going by the, you know, okay, it's this, 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 but if I'm just reading Scripture, what does it say? And what would be of value? What's important to say to these people and to instruct them? Now, the other challenge is it's an oral culture. They don't even know how to read and write their own language. There's no pencils in the desert. So, so that's another challenge is, okay, how do we take what the Word says and then be able to share it in a way that they can retain it? So anyway, I say all of that. The beauty there is it's an empty slate. And so it's, there's not a need to um, unlearn sort of even what I'm telling you. They don't have this dement. They don't have... Uh, they're not legally blind when it comes to understanding the gospel because they only have this very narrow view. When they look at the Bible, all they see is, I've been saved, I'm going to heaven, and that's awesome. Maybe I'll get raptured out of here before it gets ugly. Whoop, whoop. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not teaching about rapture now, okay? That's not the point. But the point is, that whole thing is, hey, I'm not going to hell, I'm going to heaven. Hey, maybe I'll get raptured out of here. Maybe I'll get healed. Maybe I'll get, maybe my business will improve. Maybe my life will get a little better. Maybe my relationships will, maybe my, me, 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 I, I, I. You talk about eye disease. It's been kind of a theme today, hasn't it? The eyes. I didn't even think about that until this morning it started coming. So, man, I want us to be God-centered. Let's look at Jesus, our creator, and go, wow, it must have been very important for you to create other sons, to have brothers. That's how you started with Adam, and then we made error. But man, you've given us an opportunity to come. So now, as your son, what does that look like? So two things I want to add. 
briefly are one of the challenges of the grid that we have developed in America is the way that we do church. And church, the way that church in America is set up is ripe for developing a mindset that is not the mindset of a son of God, but it's the mindset of, I go to church on Sunday, I give my tithe, and I listen to the pastor. And I expect pastor goes to the mountain during the week to get rhema, current word from God, and will come and share that with me on Sunday. That's what I pay him for. And I'll show up and do my thing, and I'll even work in the nursery. And that's a pretty big deal, working in the nursery. Is, let me tell you, that probably should count. But um, I'm just saying that even for us, even whatever you think about what happens here, in terms of worship and word and that, even in this setting, you have to fight against a mindset that just says, hey, I'm going to go on Sunday, do my thing. I'm going to... That's not all right. That wasn't what his design was. His design is that each and every one of us, including myself and Todd, we're all the same. We're sons of God. So the impact that we're having in the world should be equal. The opportunity to be a pastor, as Todd is, is a responsibility to help you develop the gifts and what God has given your callings to develop those so that you can do the work of the ministry. I mean, this really should look more like a special forces team that's going somewhere where every person on that team is critical. They don't take dead weight, right? Every person is critical to the mission, but guess what? Every person has a different area of expertise. Now, there's a lot that they have in common that they have to all learn together, basic first aid and using a weapon and so on, but that each one is qualified. Guess what? That's you. There's a ba- Anybody know there's a battle going on right now? And how many Christians just sit around and talk about the devil's strategies and how much progress he's making? Oh my God, did you hear about... You know, And there's bad stuff, and it's not to bury your head in the sand. The question is, are you engaged in advancing the kingdom of light? Well, if your mindset is, I'm just going to heaven when I die, leave me alone, that's not going to work. Not in terms of being a part of the solution. So understanding that we're sons is key to then being able to participate while we're still on the earth in advancing the kingdom of light in a world that's full of darkness. But at light is advancing. We're advancing the kingdom. I think it may be the end of the earth. I didn't see the exact sign on the ground, but it's definitely one of the corners. We need to advance the kingdom in Gibsonville. So how do you do that? Well, I don't think, now this is me, I don't think it means that you go out and everybody you pass, you have to have a word for them and pray for them and see 
everything. I don't think that's the deal. And I don't think everybody in here is supposed to be a pastor. But I think you're supposed to be you. God created you. You know, everybody's fingerprint's different. We all have a unique... We've been built but with the same goal in mind, and that is to advance the kingdom of life. So I just want to encourage you to begin looking, wow, you know, whether you accept all that I said or not in terms of sort of how it laid out, to me it gets me excited because I go, wow, that was like you started, you made this beautiful creation and you had a plan. We messed it up and through Jesus you came and through that made a way for us to again become sons while we're on the earth. So now I'm going to be honest with you. For me, I, what gets me up in the morning is I know that God wants his kingdom to advance. And I know there's opportunity for me to be a part of that. Don't always know what that looks like, and I don't always participate in it. But it's something that's continuing to grow with me, and that dial for me is continuing to slide to say, what does that look like? I believe what it can look like for you is that you, that you work, that you're excellent in the workplace, and that just everybody that's a son of God, the reason you're a son is because you have a father. And Jesus as the example. So if you want to know what it's like for you to be a son of God, just track with Jesus. Look at, how, look at what he did and how he responded. It was all about the father. Relationship, relationship, relationship. You know, everybody would love, I would love, a book that says, here's the ten rules to being a son of God. You do these ten things and you're like, and if you want to do a bonus, there's an extra chapter in the back for the bonus round, right? Dude, I'd be all over it. Um, but it's relationship. I can't teach you relationship. You can't read relationship. Relationship is something you develop by being with Papa. Now, does that mean you've got to be in a closet or in a monastery? No. That's other ways that we've just ruined the grid to make people that, oh, well, if you really want to be a son of God and godly, then either A, you go to seminary, or B, you, you go to a monastery, or you go away. The idea being you tuck yourself away. That's, I mean, I, there may be some people that are called to that, but if everybody was... You know, if everybody was a pastor, it'd even be more ugly. So, be, I, I, what I want, don't allow a thought that comes and says, well, yeah, but I'm not whatever, so then you don't process what I've said, right? Don't, I don't want you to have a thought that says, well, I'm not going to be a pastor. You know, I'm not going to be a whatever. But don't let that, it has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Amen? Hallelujah. I said two things. I talked myself through the one. I just really wanted to make sure, you know, there's different gifts. Some of those are giving. There are people in the body who God has put in a place where they are very good at what they do, and they have resources, and they understand they're stewards of God's resources. God uses, their, their, I mean, you can read it in the Bible. That's, one of, that's a gift. There are others that are teachers. 
There are others that are mothers. I think there's nothing... I mean, think if we could raise the next generation in 10 years, and I don't know how long till the Lord comes back, but the 5-year-olds become 15. The 8-year-olds become 18. It's a huge responsibility to be a parent. Hallelujah. Wish I had a magic pill. I hope I hope this has made sense. And I hope you feel encouraged but also challenged. Like there is nobody in this room that shouldn't feel challenged, me included. Because, again, I think it's degrees. It's degrees. But one cool thing, you look at Paul. Paul was killing Christians. He set out. I mean, he wrapped his life around harassing Christians. He was good at it. I mean, he developed among, he was above, he was radical in his service of God. But what I like is the fact that God knew he was seeking And so he found. So when I look at Paul, I see a seeker. Like an all-out seeker that was going for it. And it gives me courage too because I go, dude, I've screwed up along the way. But I haven't killed Christians yet. (laughs) So, hallelujah. Maybe there's room, you know. So, um, man, I encourage you. If you seek, he says, you will find. That's gospel. I mean, his God is not a liar. He's the one that said, if you seek me, you'll find me. He's looking for seekers. And sons will be seeking their father for relationship. And he'll reveal himself to you. And we have an exciting opportunity while we're alive on the earth that will not be there when we die. That's kind of the point I'm making. We have an opportunity to do something while we're alive on the earth. That when, we're, when our body goes away, we're on to different, something different. But right now, on the earth that God created and stood back and said, Dude, that is tight. We have the opportunity to, to participate in, in, in His plan. And we read today when it ends, that when He's ready and He'll turn the kingdom back to the Father, that'll be the end. Until then... We have much opportunity and an exciting, an exciting life ahead. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your plans. We thank you for your life. We thank you that you chose us even when we rejected you, that you pursued us with love. We thank you for the Bible, for the love story, for what we see there in your pursuit of man. And even in your word, you say that the only reason we come to you is because the Father draws us. So we yield to that drawing. We say yes to that drawing. We make agreement with your drawing and your love. And we respond by saying we love you. We give ourselves to you. Our desire is to be living sacrifices even as your son gave up his life that while we're yet alive on the earth that you will be able to look at, the, at those here and look and see sons 
that are more interested about your business than theirs. That are asking and seeking that when you look in this place, you'll be pleased and you'll see those that are about your business. Lord, I thank you that you've made each of us unique, that each one of us have a calling. It's not for a few, but for everyone that has come to you, that you have purpose for them as a son on the earth. I ask for each of us, Lord, as we're seeking, that you would continue to reveal and and make clear to us the ways, the things that we're doing that promote you in our lives and that that allow us to listen clearly and follow you, that we not be distracted by the things of the earth. Thank you for overcoming the tempter, for overcoming death and the grave. Thank you for being the one who continues to pray, our high priest. Thank you that you breathe your very breath of life in us and that we're one spirit with you, seated with you in heavenly places. Thank you for eyes that will begin to see more clearly in the spirit, less clearly here on the earth. Thank you for eyes that will be able to allow us to operate in your realm here on the earth not distracted by the things that our natural eyes see, but able to work even against things that would want to come against us and scare us and make us not believe your truth. Lord, we choose to believe you. We love you in the name of Jesus. Amen.